to the Wasting Time podcast. This is episode 31. Um, how's it going, Chris? It's going good, Nick. How's it going with you, mate? I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit hungover. Let's start do this weekend. So, um, yeah, a bit fragile. bit fragile. It's the end of summer and stuff. Yeah, what about you? You've been, been away on holiday? Yeah, I was just away in uh, the south of France with my family last week, which was a fun time. And I'm just getting ready up for the new sort of academic year at, at my work and stuff. So it's busy times, really. But yeah, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. What, what else is new with you? Um, not much. I hear there's a bit of an update on um, Finton Stack, though. Fin- oh, are you, are you talking about... Um, well, of course you're talking about the band that I was in. <laughs> right, yeah. So what's, what's going on there? Yeah, I, well, I try not to talk about my other musical adventures <laughs> too much on this show, but... I was kind of questioning whether I wanted to be part of that band, you know, nothing against the guys or anything, but just like with, I suppose, throwing myself more so into this and uh, just not personally feeling the songs that we'd been writing. So just kind of took a step so, back from so it. What's it what, go on. So what's happening? Are they going to, are they going to try and keep, keep that going or do you think that's just, yeah. that, that's it for? No, no. Last I spoke, they were trying out two new members, uh, just, last week which i hear went well so have to see how that goes because because uh the bassist whose solo work we've discussed on here before he he's also left so oh well good luck to them yeah good luck to them indeed yeah um well talking about other other people leaving bands i see um our you know kellen quinn our previous guest um yes. singer of sleep with sirens i see they part away with their, their, their drum i don't know if that was announced today or a couple yeah. of days ago I th- I weirdly uh yeah it was on it came up on my girlfriend's um, Facebook suggested posts of all places, and like I, I clocked that. I didn't have have a chance to read the article. It, was it on am- it amicable bit, terms or? It seems. I mean, it seems to be. It seems a bit mysterious. I don't know, he's just saying, you know, after ten years, I'm leaving the band. I'm proud of every moment, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, just thanking people and and moving on to his next venture, kind of thing. And and Sleep and Sirens put up a statement. Just kind of saying, you know, we 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 loved kind of working with them, um, but they've been kind of been growing, growing apart musically. So I don't know if maybe he's going on to going on to a different project, maybe. Um, oh, okay. Just say and just just reiterating, there's no there's no hard feelings, and they're just wishing him success, I guess. So. Oh, fair enough. We get to have their um, long long awaited album at the time of recording this Friday, so I'm curious to hear what that sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's actually another album coming out on Friday that I'm keen to um, hear. Um, oh yeah, what's that? Because it was. I don't know if you're actually into this band or not. You know the band Grace Grayscale. Yeah, I know Grayscale. Uh, they're like a pop punk band, aren't they? Yeah, but they've released a, they've released like a third song off their new album, which is coming out on Friday, called Baby Blue. Have you heard that? No, I listened to I think the first single they released from this upcoming album, but no. Yeah. They, what- they, 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 They've released two. They they had released two already, and then they, they've dropped this kind of third one before the, before the album on Friday. And I, I mean, I wasn't too fussed by those first two, but this this new one's a real. Well, I think it's a real, real good, good track. So, oh, I'll check it out. Is it like the their usual kind of sound? Yeah, but it's you know it's quite kind of I guess a bit dance kind of poppy kind of yeah. It's, no, it's it's cool. Okay, kind of reminds me a bit of the the, the nineteen seventy five kind of early stuff. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, give it, give give that a listen. 
yeah, I liked a couple of songs on their on their last full length. So yeah, I'll be curious to hear that. Did you? Um, I know we got Tony Lovato on the podcast today. Yeah, what, today. Do we say today? We can say today, yeah, might as well. <laughs> <Even> <laughs> it though, kind of makes sense. For the... Even though it was a few days ago. Yeah. Um, you know, he did a recent tour with Bowling for Soup. Did you yeah. see um, Did you see the rewrite of, was it Girl? Girl? I've forgotten the name of the track now. All the, all the bad guys want. Girl, all the bad guys want. Girl, all the bad guys want. Girl, all the bad guys want. Nice and right? smooth, then. Right, right. Yeah, Girl, all the bad guys want. Um, no, what what did they do? They rewrote did, did that the re- or something. <laughs> Well, did they update the lyrics or something? <laughs> yeah, no. So there were there were Leeds of Reading what weekend before last? Yeah, um, yeah. And they've done like an updated version. They did like acoustic for like Radio One. Um, go and listen to it. It's quite funny. Oh, okay, I'll check it. I'll references that like uh, it references like the UFC and Tinder and okay. um, Young Blood actually. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> okay, it's, yeah, I'll it's definitely good, check that it's, out. It's, it's a good, it's a good giggle worth worth <laughs> listening anyway. Speaking of re-recording things, did you see Senses Fail are releasing a re-recorded version of their first EP this Friday? Is that uh, got bast- that bastard son on it? Yeah, so they re-recorded yeah. the, and put out a video. I for saw that. the new. Yeah, I saw the video for that. Yeah, what do um, you think? No, I mean they'll never really be my cup of tea. Um, yeah, it's a couple of couple of tracks here and there, but yeah, I'd 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 watch the video anyway, the bastard son video. Yeah. <laughs> he, do, he hasn't. He's a. Uh, he, he hasn't aged at all. That that guy. He yeah, still he looks, looks like he, he still looks like he was on. You know, kind of drive through warp tour. Warp tour days. <laughs> right. He's, he's uh, done well, to be fair. Have you seen any gigs recently or anything? So I know it's been a, a few weeks since we put out an episode. No, no, I did see. Um, oh, what they're called? Um, Patent pending run at Newcastle um, a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't, didn't manage to get to didn't that. Make it long. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't get much up here, so yeah, not as much opportunity as you. What What about you? Um. Well, I went to see uh, Poppy. You know who who's been discussed oh, yeah. on this show before with some kind of like showcase show in London Bridge. Um, that was interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine it was. I mean, it's not for me. I I I listened to one song that yeah that started all melodic and then like turned into like a Slipknot song. Yeah, she um, she does that on a few songs. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's, it's not boring to watch. I'll give it that. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoyed it to be honest with you. Um, yeah, and it was just it looks like she's just getting bigger and bigger. So it was kind of you know it was some it, it was kind of a novelty to see her in a small venue like that. It's also quite funny. Just... Go on, sorry. I was going to say you were you you did Dan Pratt got. Got chatting with uh, what is what's his name <laughs> yeah, from Radio One friend of ours uh, yeah uh, for the listener friend of ours spotted Daniel Picard of, of Radio One rock show fame and just went and chewed his ear off I'm sure bored the fuck out of him and it's oh, funny like yeah. he he came back and I he came back and I was like yeah it's funny to think that Daniel Picard he's friends with X Y and Z and then. I kind of turned to say something else, and he was already gone back over to talk <laughs> at him. <laughs> oh, good old Dan! Yeah, well done, Dan. <laughs> and then, and in terms of other new music, I'm trying to think what else I've been listening to. A couple of new Simple Creatures songs because they got a new EP coming out. Wasn't really feeling those though, to be honest. I don't know if you were to check them out because you, you you haven't been that impressed with them, really, have you? Uh, no. I've seen it land, but yeah. Yeah, yeah fair I, enough. 
I haven't been, I haven't bothered to be honest with you. I did see the uh, Blink Blink brought out uh, that their video for the well, is it oh the Dark, Dark Side. Side. It is Dark Side, isn't it? Yeah, I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. But, I mean, yeah, it's nothing yeah. groundbreaking, is it on a, on, a, on the video front? But yeah, it's um, oh, a good good track anyway. And another thing, just just kind of bit off kilter for us. Um, I've I've been listening to loads of Bruce Springsteen recently because I saw that movie Blinded by the Light, which. I just absolutely loved and I can't recommend enough. Well, we were going to go and see it. It was a yeah. toss-up between um, that or Tar- the new Tarantino film. Um, oh, and Tarantino you went Tarantino. We went, we went Tarantino, but yeah, that um, Springsteen film's definitely definitely on the list. Yeah, try and see it while it's at the cinema, mate. I think I think you'll really like it. <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll get to see Blinded by the Light. Yeah, yeah definitely so. recommend that. And um, b- back... Uh, onto more familiar ground. Have you got any? I know you said, yeah, not that much comes through Newcastle, but is there anything of note coming through in the next few months? Look, the Fireball Tour is coming, so the the plan is to get to that. Um, yeah, Less than Jake, Goldfinger, and a, I don't know who else it is. Uh, Say Ferris are on that. Um, so I'm hoping to get to that. Um, the Skints, I'm I'm a fan of the Skints. Yes, yeah. Um, so they're 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 over here. Um. I've got Menzingers, but that's not, not that's a while next away, year. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I need to have a look. Have you got anything? Got got anything in diary yet? Uh, I so I have like like yourself the fireball thing, so I'll see that when it comes through through where, where, uh, Brixton. Where are they playing at? Brixton Academy at the end of uh, this month, and then slightly slightly off um, the genre we cover, but I'm going to see Hootie and the Blowfish in October, which will oh, be right. fun. Oh, they're all good, always good fun, yeah. Oh, yeah, got plenty of good songs. Um, and, oh, and then Sleeping With Sirens in November. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that should be cool. You, did you not try and tap up a, a guest list for that one? <laughs> I didn't want to make any assumptions. I know we discussed this on the on the last episode, like whether <laughs> we're in a place with people like that where you can. I just thought, yeah, I'll just get a ticket. <laughs> because they're playing quite a small venue for them as well so I didn't want to, it to Correct. sell out and then to you know, unsuccessfully ask for, for, for guesses yeah Electric Ballroom which which I would have thought they're, they're, they're bigger than but okay cool should we get into it with um, with our guests anyway yeah so as you mentioned earlier we have uh, Tony Lovato today who's the front man of the pop punk band Mest Um uh, who both you and I are long-time fans of. Um, so this was quite an exciting one for, for us, I think. I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah. And, like, we'd been kind of talking, messaging Tony for a little bit, and, like, we eventually got a date nailed down, and we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and he gave us lots of his time and told lots of cool stories, and uh, I really enjoyed this one. So uh, here it is. Uh, okay, so we are joined by Tony Lovato, uh, talking to us from LA. Am I right there, Tony? Are you based in LA? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's um, a little east of LA, but yeah, pretty much LA. You were out because obviously we were we we were going to talk at the weekend, but you were out of town this weekend. How was how was your weekend away? Where did you get to? Um, <clears throat> so a buddy of mine who does some of our weekend tour managing, and he helps me from. Um, when I'm on the road, he'll help me <coughs> via email and keep shit um, intact on the road. So he sort of uh, tour manages us a little bit, but he's uh, we've become extremely good friends over the past couple of years. Um, okay. He lives out there, and uh, 
my guitarist Adrian, who plays with me, um, he wanted to head out there for the weekend, so we just went to what used to be the Hard Rock Casino out there, but somebody bought it out and um, just got a hotel room for a couple of days. And nice, was it a good time? Blacked out, blacked out a couple of nights, got about <laughs> two hours sleep, and gambled, won some money, and <clears throat> drank our fucking faces off. <laughs> Sounds fun. I actually met that Adrian guy like last time you were coming through London. He's he plays in that yeah. band. What is it? Assume we survive. Assuming, Assuming we survive. That's the one. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. And like, yeah. uh, he was just saying how much he loves you know like touring with Mess because like he grew up on you guys. You know, so yeah, he actually lives with me now. Oh really? Oh sweet. Yep. Yeah, I was just gonna say you're not you're not too long off tour now, right? You've 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 been out on the road with Will Real Big Fish and bowling with Soup. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Real Big Fish Volume for Soup just ended. Uh, <clears throat> August 3rd was the last date in Denver, Colorado. And mm-hmm. then we came home. I had to rush home because my son had his first day of kindergarten August wow. 5th. Um, right. So I've been home since August 5th and trying to get my life in order for a couple of weeks. And then we head back out. Um, I think the first show is fuck, September... 12th maybe i just posted it i don't know um but it's it's a week of shows in september it's pretty much just the west coast it's us and mill and colin yeah, and yeah. we do three shows around here which we're literally going to play the shows and then drive back home because right. they're so close to the house i mean one is an hour away one's 40 minutes away and one is an hour and 20 minutes away so okay that's useful and then we just head straight up west, and we're doing, like, I think San Francisco, Sacramento, and then we got, like, uh, Seattle, Portland, and Bend, Oregon, and then head back home. So seven seven days, seven shows, all West Coast, but I'm stoked to do it. I love Mill and Colin. I love their new record, so... Yeah, it's, it's great. I feel like it, it probably gets back to, like, pop-punk roots, that record. Have you talked with them before? Um, no, I've, we did... I've never met the guys. We did do Warp Tour in '03 or '05. They were yeah. on um, some of the dates. So I'd go and watch them every day, but um, never chatted with them at all. But uh, looking forward to the seven days. And uh, I mean, like like you said, that that new record is definitely back to their the more of the punk rock roots yeah. and everything. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's just fucking great, man. I love it. Short and sweet. I think the record's like 33 minutes long or some yeah. shit. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to point out as well, like, so, like, we've we've done a bunch of these shows so far and, like, you know, we, we, we spoke to a bunch of people that we're big fans of and, like, you know, maybe some people that we're not as big a fans of, but, like, this, this, this is, like, a, a big one for Nick and I just because, like, back in the day, like, we, you know, we have listened to your music for the longest time and, like, you know, the amount of times we've got in from, like, a drunken night out and put the show must go off on and stuff. <laughs> You know, happy nice. memories. So, uh, do, do you ever actually watch that back yourself? Have Have I watched it? Yeah. Do you actually go back and watch that? What's that DVD or not? Or is it just locked um, away in a cupboard? I don't. I don't even know if I own one. To be honest, I probably do somewhere. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, that was that was a cool DVD. It did a lot for us because it was it was put out on Kung Fu Records. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. And Joe, who plays uh, Joe Escalante, who plays bass in the Vandals, yep. um, he owns Kung Fu Records, and he's always been a big supporter and a big fan of Mest. Okay. And when when he started that series, I think we were the second band to do it. 
And this was also back in the day when not everybody had their fucking phones out recording shows. Of course, yeah. So a live concert was something that you wanted to obtain. Yeah. Now you can just go on YouTube and type in the band and watch as much live footage as as you want. Um, But also being that it was on Kung Fu Records, which is a very punk rock label. um, And so, you know, for us, it was a cool thing to be to be part of that. And, and we were already on Maverick Records, which mm-hmm. was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. And for them to let us do that was a big deal, too, because, okay. you know, labels usually want to own everything the fucking band does. And we were just like, look, man, you're not going to do a fucking live DVD for us. And this is great for marketing and promotion. And it's fucking Kung Fu Records. And so, um, you know, it was actually pretty easy to convince them to let us do it which was awesome and joe's been super supportive for our band since uh since day one he's That's always cool. fucking you know stuff for us and i mean the the name of your guys podcast is wasting time correct? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> is that a messed reference <laughs> so this is this is the weird thing and i promise i'm being truthful with you here um for me it is like so before i started doing this with nick i had a couple of other co-hosts who perhaps weren't such a fan of of your music so i would uh so i pretend to them it was like the you know the old blink 182 song wasting time but like right. in my head i'm like for me when i think wasting time i think of that messed record and i promise i'm Fair not enough. just saying that because i'm talking to you right now you know <laughs> Nah, fair enough. I mean, got to sneak in whenever you fucking can, right? Exactly. But like, it's it's way easier now because I'm hosting with Nick, and like, uh, you know, we have we have a mutual love of what you do, so uh, so it cool, makes man. it easier in yeah. that respect. I was just curious. <laughs> but um, it's interesting what you say about the taping shows and stuff. Was you know people didn't have phones in those days, but like because I remember that was such an exciting thing for me because that DVD came out before you guys started coming to Europe and stuff. So like you know to be able to see like messed like on a, a full live show was such a big thing in, in those days which would just be alien to someone who's a fan of any band these days it's just crazy to think that really right it gives you a glimpse into what <clears throat> the, what the show is like what the band is like and yeah and you get to live a little bit of the experience obviously it's not the same as being at a show but sure. it's as close as you can get to it in the meantime and yeah i mean things obviously have changed now and artists and bands are way more accessible now you know because they are on instagram and facebook and very you know reachable which i i fought that concept for as long as i could until i realized it is a tool to stay connected to your fans it's a free tool yeah um it's a marketing tool and it's it's just what the business has changed into and and you know i fought it i fought it for a while because i always looked up to the bands I looked up to and the artists that I liked, it was fucking cool, like, being in the crowd and you're waiting for the fucking curtains to open and the band to walk on stage and you're like, fuck, dude, there they are. And now it's like you're with them every day. Yeah, yeah. And so that that mystique and that fucking, wow, that's my fucking, I look up to that guy, that's my fucking rock star idol. (laughs) That's, it's sort of taken, gone a little bit, but at the same time, the, the other side of that is that now it's more of like a the relatability of like you know I mean my fucking Instagram is like mostly my fucking four year old yeah yeah and, yeah yeah you know like most of my fucking DM conversations are you know about somebody else's kids starting fucking kindergarten and shit like that and it's just like 
it's life. It's more, you know, and, and it's, and it is cool that it makes you more accessible to, to be human. Cause I don't see myself as anything other than a kid who got lucky mm-hmm. playing music. And I still get to do it to this day. There's a lot of bands that were just as talented, if not more than fucking mast and music is just an opinion anyways, but I got lucky and I don't see myself as anything besides that, but other people do put me up on a pedestal. And so if I'm able to have a fucking short conversation with somebody at a show or through fucking Instagram or something like that, and that makes their fucking day, then that's, that's cool to me. Cause you know, I'm the fucking lucky one that, that got to do this for as long as I have. And it's like, there, there's a, you know, there's a cool side to it, having that accessibility and to be like, look, man, I'm just like you at this point. I'm just yeah. out there playing shows with my old ass bones, just trying to fucking support my kids. This is what I do for a living. Yeah. It's a fun yeah. job, but yeah. it's still, it is my job, you know, like, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, so I was just going to say, I was talking about accessibility becoming more accessible now. I mean, have you have you seen your fans change? You know, since the early days, obviously, you, you know, I guess you go out to your shows and you see all your your old school hardcore fans. But is, have you have you seen much um, in the way of kind of new young young kids, you know, coming through and and, and getting into mess? You know, it's not necessarily. I mean, you do see the new younger kids. But I think there is a thing with music where when you're growing up and you're trying to identify with something and trying to become who you think you are and, you know, trying to figure out life and shit like that, and you start hearing music, you discover certain bands and that's your identity for a while while you're growing up. And that's sort of yeah. who, you be- who you become. For us more so, we still see the fucking diehards that come out, you know, show after show. And, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's hard for us to acts or you know like you look at some of these new bands and you know must might still bring more people to a show than some of these new younger pop punk bands yeah but you go to one of these kids pages and they've got a hundred thousand followers you go to my page i got a little over thirteen thousand because one not everybody that's on social media that's my age is is out searching for their old favorite artists as much as it's just like a thing to post shit about their family and stay connected with their friends yeah um, but we do have the fans that are coming out. A lot of people that are still discovering that, oh shit, Mast has a new record about to come out. We just released a new song. Mm-hmm. And, um, as far as getting new fans, what's been fucking awesome for us is, you know, we started out this year in January. We did a tour with Robic Fish. In April, we went out with Less Than Jake. Yeah. We just got done with Robic Fish and Bowling for Soup. Now we're going out with Mill and Colin. So what's happening for us now is, it's not necessarily new younger fans. It's just new fans that are more in our demographic and our age range that are like, I've heard of you guys for years, you know, like, and never saw you, never really checked out your music, but fuck, I'm going to go listen to all your shit. Now you have a new fan. Like, do we get that so much at every show, which is fucking awesome. Like, and these are the people, the people that go to the real big fish shows and bowling for soup and mill and Colin are people that have been fans of these bands for two decades now. And so to be able to, play in front of those types of people and put on a show and have that dude come up to me at or you know or chick come up to me at the end of the show and go fuck man that was awesome i fucking i can't wait to fucking get on spotify and listen to all your records and i'm like well you know we got a massive back catalog so <laughs> right, right get to it you know but those are the people that are now gonna hopefully come back to the next time master plays and those are the fans you want the people that still give a fuck still go to shows still buy records still buy merch and like i always tell people we're like that 
that Netflix series that's been out for a couple seasons and you right. just discovered. So now it's like, now you get to binge fucking binge listen to us <laughs> and discover all of our music, you know? And like, so it's not so much the younger ones, but it's just new fans. Yeah. And they get to watch the show must go off DVD as well. Like <laughs> if, you well if, if you can find it. Yeah. Exactly. On, on YouTube, most likely at this point. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there is two versions of that. I don't know what version you guys have, but we did the first version. We did an after show thing where the camera crew followed us around. We went to this like punk rock house where they had like little punk rock shows and a party and shit. And like, it's pretty brutal. Like I was like giving my friends drugs and shit and like, yeah, people are popping pills and like, this chick's puking on Nick and I like eat the puke off of her. Like we were fucked up back then. But um, then Disney found out about it and, and where it was taped was House of Blues Anaheim, which was in the yeah. Disney lot. As soon as they heard about it, they were like, you fucking pull those from the shelves. You take that off. So we still got a good amount of them out there. Yeah. But then there's like the versions now with without that on it. I, so I don't know which one you guys got. I remember one with like back, you know, some of that stuff you're talking about i remember like one of you guys were trying to smash a bottle over your head or something uh yeah that seemed like that would uh, <laughs> i don't know if that was in that i think that was fuck was that on that because we do, we also released an epk with our third record and then we released yeah seven I, deadly sins I, I rem- photographs i remember that too no no i'm i'm fairly certain that it was on um the show must go off because I, I remember. It makes our, sense. Yeah, I remember. Our, like, so Nick and I used to play in a band together at that time. And I remember our drummer trying to. Re- I think we were all trying to replicate that, but I remember him succeeding, <laughs> if you remember that, Nick. I said, you know, speaking of succeeding, so there was one time we were playing a show. I can't remember where the fuck he was at, but I was pretty buzzed on stage. And I used to, you know, we were playing show after. This is when we were touring nonstop. Yeah. So I'd be, I was playing the song, playing the guitar, singing the words, but in my brain, I'm fucking thinking about like, what am I going to do after the show? I'm like looking in the crowd, having random thoughts in my head while I'm performing. Yeah. And so I think we were playing long days, long nights. And I think I thought we were going into the bridge and we were going into the second verse. Uh So I just stopped singing and started playing like the bridge. Yeah. And then the band kept playing and then I couldn't catch up and figure out the words once I didn't sing the first line. And I just, so we just looked at each other and just stopped playing. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and I was like, uh, all right, fuck. So I just explained to the crowd. I was like, man, sorry, I was thinking about some shit. I just fucked up. <laughs> and then we were doing that beer bottle thing at the time. And I go, all right, for fucking up, I go, I'm going to break this beer bottle over my head. So I walk back. It's like a Coors Light. I finish it real quick. I go and grab a hat from my guitar tech. So I was like, I yeah. still don't want to split open my fucking head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a hat on my head, lean over, just fucking doink and fucking just bottle just breaks instantly <laughs> and the trick to that is if the bottle breaks it doesn't hurt if the bottle doesn't break that's when it fucking hurts right, right. so after the show i was talking to fans and everybody thought that it was like a trick and i was like no i swear to fucking god that was a real bear bottle like nobody believed it you know like it seemed too set up right, right. then the next then the next night i was like i'm gonna do this again and sure enough, I'm on stage, but it was a Corona bottle, which they make thicker, and I didn't realize that. Uh-oh. So we have this on video, too. I just beat the shit out of myself for a solid 45 minutes. Or not 45 minutes, for like a solid five minutes. Just fucking, just kept fucking hitting myself in the head. And Matt and Nick are playing the, like, the circus song, the doom, 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 do
Dude, it would not break. Then Matt comes up to me, whispers in my ear, just break it over my head. And I was like, are you sure, dude? And he's like, yeah. I fucking lean back. Doink. Doesn't break. He just drops to the ground. Fuck. And we're like, oh, fuck. So we're like, okay, scratch this. We're going to finish the set. At the end of the set, I had so many lumps in my head. It was so fucked up. And everybody's like, dude, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, nah, man, I'm fine. I'm fine. By the end of the night, all the lumps were gone. But what I realized is that I just had one massive lump. My entire head was fucking swollen. (laughs) I'm sure I had to have a a fucking concussion. But evidently, I just fucking lived through it and everything was fine. (laughs) But it was fucked up, man. So never again with that shit. So, so basically, like, I want to talk a bunch about the new record. Well, the the upcoming new record, of course. But like, um, the way we normally do these is like, you know, we take it back a little bit and like, kind of like, because with Nick and I, particularly in this case, being such big fans, like, there's there's a bunch of questions we want to ask, like, sort of throughout the career career of Mest, if that's cool, and then we'll kind of, of work our way up to the to the new record. So I guess I, I guess I'll just kind of jump straight to like when um feldman discovered you guys obviously you guys were a band existing before that but feldman discovered you like i just want to like ask what things were like at that time like for example like obviously the only other band apart from goldfinger he'd worked with was show off who were kind of from the same part of the world as you we've had we've actually had chris messer from the singer from that band on this before um so i was just curious we we coming from the same kind of scene were you did you know those guys at that time yeah i mean i knew chris um before that we sort of grew up in the same and we grew up in the same punk rock scene where you know there was this this little place he might have mentioned it called off the alley that was on the south side of chicago it was our little punk rock club yeah and then north side there was like the, the fireside bowl which is a pretty legendary punk rock club um yeah yeah we had tim from alistair talk to us a lot about that place actually yeah yeah so those were like the two places as far as like the cool venues to play was fireside and off the alley um mm. and then all the other shows that we did were the ones that we just put on where we'd rent a vfw hall contact like you know four to fucking seven bands and every band would flyer the show and we'd try to get enough kids in there to pay for the fucking vfw hall um and so i knew he was in a band called AYA and um, I was a fan of that band Um, so we would play shows here and there together so you know he was just part of the scene and then um, then he then he started um, show off and shit and um, I actually discovered show off because I went to if my fucking memory you know my memory is correct on this Um, I went to Goldfinger was playing two surprise shows at fireside bowl which wasn't okay. normal because they were doing really good at the time fireside bowl was like i don't know max capacity maybe 350 maybe 400 if you fucking stuffed enough people in there yeah um and so they were doing a daytime show and an evening show at that it was just a, either i think that was what they're doing or they were doing like a, a morning show yeah that's what it is it was two shows um so we cut the line and got into that first show and then um i had met john previous to that and would always just fucking hawk demos on stage or give him demos after the show or before the show i was the kid that was like there super early just trying yeah. to fucking meet the bands and network the band shit like that um and he had said to me previous to that show you know next time we're in town you guys can open up for us right and i was like all right cool um and so when they played that show, I saw him after the show, and I was like, yo, dude, I was like, 
what's up, man? And he would, uh, he remembered me because I was just that fucking, you know, annoying kid always fucking bothering him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, yo, you, you know, you mentioned that we could play the show with you. And he's like, oh, fuck, sorry, man. He goes, next time for sure, okay? He's like, here, check it out. Here's my fucking, here's my phone number, keep in touch. And so I, I, he just gave me his house phone number. Right. Wow. Which is super random because it's not like we really knew each other, you know, like um, enough to give somebody your house phone number, which yeah. is, you know. Um, and so I kept in touch with him and then I saw, and then I was at a party and um, some kid came up to me that I knew that was, a, you know, just a normal acquaintance friend and he was like so i thought you were opening up for goldfinger next time they're in town and i was like okay you're saying that with some sort of weird fucking smirky fucking tone right like what do you mean by that and he's like well goldfinger's playing here next month and i was like they are and he's like yeah and i was like oh fuck i didn't know that i was like i'll have to call john so of course the next day i got on the horn and started fucking reaching out to him and got a hold of him and he was like oh yeah, yeah for sure man and i was like all right cool so then he gave me his manager's number and called his manager got set up so we had to, we got to open up for goldfinger which was like our biggest show yet you know sold out house of blues in chicago right we were doing really well at the scene at the in the scene at that time too um and so we opened up had you played with had you played with anyone like close to the level of goldfinger at that point yeah was- well we at that point with our local career so to speak yeah yeah we yeah, were the we were the band that we are you know we put out uh, a nine song demo on cassette we put out and then we had our 17 song cd more money more 40s out at yeah, that point um we were the band that when a national act was coming through and they wanted a local opener i had met enough promoters and we had we were worthy of enough tickets that we would be the band that they would call to be the local Good band man. to help out with ticket sales and shit like that. So we had played with like Mustard Plug and some random um, local local spotlight shows where like bands like Incubus would be put on this like $5 Tuesday night. <laughs> right. Anytime bands would like that would come through. We didn't play with Incubus, but um, the promoter's like, hey, come out to the show. I want to show you what these $5 shows are. It's these bands that are about to break. And, you know, once a band's coming through that makes sense for you guys, I want to put you on the show. So come out right. and check out the show. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. So we were the band that was the, you know, the the big local um opening up for the national acts. So obviously the Goldfinger show was the biggest one for us. Yeah. Um and uh you know, after we I remember after we were done playing, um I saw John backstage and he had watched us and he was like, Fuck dude, he's like, That was great. He's like, You have a pretty big local following, right? And I was like, Yeah, I mean we do okay. And he was like, because I've never heard for any of the bands that have opened up for us, I've never heard the crowd singing the words that loud for a local band. Right. Because we did. I mean, we, we busted our asses in, in the first couple of years. And one thing that we did too, which um, bands do in the beginning of their careers, which I don't think is smart, is they oversaturate. And what what I didn't do was um, I convinced the guys, which was hard to do. I was like, let's not fucking play every weekend, man. Let's play once a month. If that, and make sure that the show's worthy of playing, that oh, it's an event and a reason for people to come play. I mean, to come watch us. If you're playing every weekend, people don't give a fuck. Yeah. So yeah. it was like the less is more sort of concept. And, you know, so when we were able to do the, the bigger national act shows, 
that was a thing where we'd get on stage, then our, then our fans would be stoked to come out because then they got to see some cool fucking big bands after us, and then we'd earn some new fans. So we were, you know, it was a smart way of building, making, you know, it's making yourself look bigger than you even fucking are. Got it, yeah. And we became that band. So, and it helped because then when we played that Goldfinger show, all of our friends came out to support, all of our fans came out to support, um, and we were very much a like band at that time. You know, we were very similar. So we looked massive to John Feldman, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, did, so, so did the offer come on the table pretty soon after that to come and, come and work with him in the studio? It, was, it wasn't too... I mean, soon in the concept of being in a band and how long, you know, it's the hurry up and wait business. Um, yeah. But there was... John, was, John did give me the call and was like, yo, dude, so I'm doing the show off record right now. When he was I, actually, he called me at my girlfriend's house. I was like 17 or something, and it was like two in the morning, and the phone rings, and her mom's like, Hey, uh, there's this guy John on the phone for you, Tony. And I was like, Okay. And I'm like, What's up, dude? He's like, Hey, it's John, all hyper and shit. Like yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Okay, it's cool. It's two in the morning. You're calling my girlfriend's house, but what's up, man? Um, so he was like, I'm working with Show Off, doing this record. He goes, In a couple of months, he goes, I want it. I'm going to get a demo deal for you guys, fly you guys out. And let's record some songs so I could present it to the label. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, fucking cool, man. The first thing he said was, hey, man, so are you still in Mest? And I was like, yeah. And then he was like, okay, well, I have this idea, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I had to go back to the band and go, hey, we need to like stop playing shows and start writing songs. We need to have a lot of songs and be prepared for this. Yeah. They didn't want to do that either. It was always hard to convince the band to do anything. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah. had in my brain, you know? And yeah. And needless to say, I was always fucking right because we got to, you know, it all worked out. Of course. Um, but, and then I got a phone call at my work, which was also my girlfriend at the time. Her mom was the manager and we all worked here. Like 15 of us worked at this dinner show place. We were like waiters and it was ridiculous. But um, I got a call there and that's when he was like, hey, so I got it down I'm in the back room in the back office. And she's like, hey, it's that guy again. Um, I'm in her office and he's like, so he's like, I, you know, I, I got a demo deal for you. I can fly you out, blah, 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 and that. And I was like, all right, cool. I think I, I don't know if I quit that night or like maybe like a week later. I was like, okay, fuck right. this. I'm yeah, done yeah, working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to say maybe it was, you know, six months after that, that, that I got the phone call again that we were going to do the demo. Okay. And so you had managed, managed to scramble some songs together before then at some point then? Yeah, I mean, dude, that was back in the days where I was just a kid, just fucking writing and writing and writing, and and I thought every song was fucking great. So I, I definitely, which they weren't, but I had enough <laughs> songs to uh, to go out there and, and you know for him to hear everything and to put together four songs to show a label, you know. Yeah, yeah. What what songs were like that we would still know now that were, were on those four songs? Well, four of the songs made the wasting time record because they were the, the oh, okay. songs that we recorded yeah okay so um, we all know them yeah yeah and i think the reason why john wanted to work with us was i sent him i would always send him new demos to the house yeah in the process of before um before he even got us the demo deal he was like send me new songs as you record them right um and i remember he's him saying that the one song that he was like okay you know how to write songs was the song called electric baby oh yeah yeah nice ballad um, he was like he was like if you can write more songs like this yeah he goes we can put a record together okay. um so that was one of them forget you uh, which is the song that jerry sings was on it yeah 
the song that I fucking hate. Um, track three is on there. Um, <laughs> is, and is, then, that what, is that what's the dealio? Yeah, we're, we don't yeah. talk about that song. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, and then go on. Uh, what else was there? Um, fuck, what was the fourth song? Can't even remember what the fourth song was. But those were three of them. Okay. Um, okay. And then, yeah, so, so we, we sent that in. A week later, we got a phone call, and they were like, yeah, they want to do a record. And I was like, all right, fucking cool, man. Maverick, Let's do Maverick, a record. Maverick, right? Yeah. And I was like 19 years old, so I was like, all right, this is cool, man. And, and you, did you sign a multi kind of record deal there as well? Because you, cause you ended up releasing like your next. Yeah, I mean, you know what the labels do, man. They, they yeah. I don't even know if we, you know, we, we signed the one record guaranteed and then they just tie you up where it's like six options and the option is completely in their hands, you know? Um, I don't know. I think maybe the second option was a payout deal. So if they, decided to not do the second record they still had to give us like a lump sum of money for something you know but right. to them at that point if they're like okay this isn't going to work um that sum of money is a tax write-off and they can just go okay this is a loss and they're a multi-million dollar company so it's not that big of a deal rather right. than recording the record all the money they put in the marketing all the shit they're going to spend but um yeah it was you know it was a multi-record optional deal at that point. Right. Cool. And and I guess the the touring just kind of stepped up from from there, did it? Right. Yeah. Um, I went mean, from your, your kind of local scene to to out on the road. Yeah. Once the record was done and recorded, then we signed on with an agent who we had pretty much our entire career. Um, and he was just like, "All right, we're gonna get you out on the road." I mean, we did some weird tours in the beginning, shit that. I don't think necessarily made sense, but they just wanted to keep us out on the road. And I was like, I wanted to be out on the road. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, I mean, I don't know if I, how much I should go into the detail of that first record and, and the touring aspect of it, but, um, what was the weird, what was the weird, weird to us? So to? I wouldn't say it was just like, he'd put us out with like the circle jerks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I want to say that this was even on, um, yeah. And our first record, I think we went out with like Gutter Mouth, some shit like that, where it was like punk rock bands and it was cool. Yeah. But it was like their fans were like this, um, I want to say like the uh, sorority, fraternity (laughs) punk rock fans, where it's like, you can't be part of our club. Yeah. yeah. You're not punk enough for us type of shit. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea what the scene was like that i grew up in the bands that i listened to because i used to listen to like hardcore punk and fucking oi music and you know and it was like i probably knew more about fucking punk rock than they did but you know what are you gonna do argue with some fucking nimrod like but um so shit like that but they just wanted to keep us out on the road and and build our name and and you know we weren't getting played on the radio so that was how we built our entire career was you know playing in front of people every night and I mean, it was nonstop touring in the beginning. Right. Okay. What What were some of your favorite tours at that point? Um, that made more sense. I want to say once we hit our second record, the first record was like they went for radio and did all that shit, and it failed. It got picked up on radio real quick and died down. Okay. And so then it was like, okay, on to the second record, and now we actually rebuild and build this band the proper way. Okay. So when we we're starting the touring cycle and we had finished our second record, Destination Unknown. Destination Unknown, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is back when people still bought CDs. By the way, this wasn't like the the digital era hadn't oh, even I know. really yeah. 
hadn't yeah. started yet. Yeah. So we were out on the road a lot before that record came out, and um, we were I'm trying to think about like what tours we we did prior to the record coming out because yeah. I want to say d- prior and during that record we did like um, you know Goldfinger, Unwritten Law, mm-hmm. Good Charlotte. Um, then we'd go out. We went out together like all those bands. We'd go out in different packages together. Yeah. Sugar Cult a lot. Yeah. Um, who else? Fuck. I um, think we 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 saw you in the UK with Sugar Cult and Good Charlotte. I think was that right, Chris? Yeah. 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 We, yeah. We brought that tour over there. Yeah. And um, we saw one of your your small headline shows on that tour as well, if I remember right. It might have been when we brought Fall Out Boy over there for the first time. No, that was a few months later. Um, okay. I, I remember being bummed out. I couldn't go to that because I was I was in the, the states at the time. But yeah, no, like so you were you were over with Good Charlotte and Sugar Cult. But I think as part of the tour, you were able to do a couple of solo shows. And oh, and, we did like one offs and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we were lucky enough to see you on on the GC tour and and one of your solo ones, which right, yeah. Um, so what happened was we were doing a lot of fucking extensive touring um, prior to Destination Unknown yeah. coming out. And um, so this is back in the day, like I said, when there was CDs. So stores would look at the numbers of, of record sales on your previous record and then see what type of radio play you were getting and all the right. bullshit statistics that they go through to yeah. do their pre-orders, like Best Buy fucking whatever tower records and shit like that they do the pre-orders on the record so our pre-orders were super low because i think West wasting time had only sold thirty thousand records you know and we didn't have okay. any radio play leading up to this record coming out so record comes out we're on the road and that first week we would have we only sold six thousand records that first week we would have sold a fucking dick ton more but every store started calling the distribution and going okay we fucked up everybody's coming in the store and asking for it and we don't have any copies because they didn't order enough because they were like, you know, this band's not going to sell anything. But what they didn't realize is that for that entire fucking two years between Wasting Time and Destination Unknown, we'd been on the road nonstop. Right. So although there was no radio play to show and there was only 30, 35,000 records sold, there was a bunch of fans that we were earning through touring, grassroots style, that wanted this new record. So that was sort of a a good thing for us, because then the label was like, oh, fuck, okay, we need to really keep this going. So we got a decent push on that, too. But te- um, technically, major label standards back then, even Destination Unknown by the end of its course, was a failure in record sales. Okay. But by the end of that course, we were selling out our shows and headlining. Right. And we, would, you know, we were playing... You know, from 500 to, in the bigger market, 1,700 people a night. Right, okay, okay. And that was only on 85,000 records sold. And so the label's like, okay, well, fuck, uh, we can't drop this band because they're doing something right. And had they dropped us, Interesting, we yeah. would have we went to another label for sure because we had enough numbers to show we're worthy of fucking your investments. Yeah. Um, and I think they were more, it was more of an ego thing too, where maybe like, <clears throat> had they, had they dropped us and we went on to another label that maybe had more pull at radio or something and then got us on the radio. And then all of a sudden shit blows up and that just looks bad on them. Mm-hmm. Like this other label could do it, but we couldn't do it, you know? So they, we, so then we secured our third record 
and that that record did fairly good as far as like MTV2 shit like that. We were on that rock countdown for you know like three months, three or four months, stuff like that. So um, I think Jaded was on there for a while. Yeah, yeah. So that record did decent. Um, you know, like I think first week we sold like twenty one and twenty two thousand. Um, but you know, it was it's just that it was hard being on the label that we were on because Maverick was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. Right. So there's Warner Brothers, then there was a subsidiary of, of Maverick and a subsidiary of Reprise. And Reprise was obviously more important to Warner Brothers than Maverick was. Reprise had like Green Day and shit like that. Um, I think Reprise also had, I want to say the used, shit like that. Um, so when both labels are coming to Warner Brothers and going, okay, we're putting out these records, we're putting out these records, Warner Brothers, you're going to get the short end of the stick when there's other labels and and records themselves that are strictly on Warner Brothers. So there's only, you know, there's only so much that they that they're going to work for and do when they got to take care of their own shit, then another subsidiary and then you. Grand and Maverick did have their own departments, but there was a lot of push from Warner Brothers and they're the ones that really had the connection that radio and fucking TV and and getting the fucking aisles on, you know, this, the end aisles on Best Buy so everybody sees the CDs as you walk in. There was a lot of other fucking, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to that shit. So, you know, there's only so much that your label can do. I mean, they did, they did good with us and it helped me build a fucking career. Don't get me wrong. I'm super grateful. But, you know, looking back, you can see, I can see all the shit that they did wrong and where they spent money wrong and shit like that. But, you know, I think that's something that you just learn over the years, you know, so. Right. right. Hence why we're sort of doing everything on our own now. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we'll definitely get to that. Um, I just want to ask a question, like, particularly around the Destination Unknown era. Like, obviously, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're kind of growing a fan base from all that incessant touring and stuff. And, and like, the labels couldn't drop you because they could clearly see you were doing something right. But just, like, as, as a fan, particularly because... So, I came to you when that record came out. Like, uh, I just remember finding it on Amazon, like, because I was listening to Show Off and Good Charlotte at the time and, and getting that and just, like, loving that record. But like it was kind of it was a bit of a polarizing record with friends I had who were into punk music, you know. Like they'd hear songs like Cadillac, which, which you know, we we personally love, but um, it 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 didn't necessarily go down so well with everyone who listened to that kind of music. Like I just felt like you're a band that people either loved or hated to an extent. Like I just wanted, like, did you experience that? Like being in the yeah, band yourself? I mean, the thing is that it's. What it is is that, you know, the the problem with that is, so right now at this point in my career, I have like six records or seven, I, don't, I have to count again, yeah, uh, yeah. five, seven records. Well, the seventh record will be coming out. Yeah. Um, and if you listen to the entire catalog, it's a majority of real issues, serious issues, life and death, relationships, just fucking normal shit that people write about you know like i grew up listening to social distortion he told stories about the neighborhood he grew up in the people he grew up in the shit he went through yeah 98 percent of our songs are about that yeah then there's a song like cadillac that the label's like we can get this on the radio so we're gonna make this your first single right so then that song gets put out there and is the representation to the mass public of what the band is so then people automatically go, this band writes 
fun pop punk fucking party songs. And it's like, that song was about driving down to fucking Florida to see my girlfriend at the time, Chelsea, before we had recorded this record and like driving around being fucked up and like partying and like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I write serious songs, but at the same time, I'm a pretty positive guy on life and yeah. I like to have a fucking good time. And, you know, so you write one song about just getting fucked up with your friends and having a good time. And then, you know, people get this concept that that's what your band is, you know? Um, and like you said, it's like one of those things where people are like, either they love it or they hate it. But then it's like every time we go and play a live show and mm -hmm. we're playing in front of, you know, on this like real big fish playing for soup tour, it was, you know, pretty big shows, 15 to 2,500 people a night. Granted, those bands are more fun bands. We play a song like Cadillac and people fucking love it, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. I go over and play a show in Germany and I got these gutter puck punk kids in the crowd, fucking mohawks, spiked fucking gnarly Liberty spikes and shit fucking you know studs everywhere and fucking pins asking me to play the third track off of wasting time and i'm like are you fucking with me and they're like no we fucking love that song and i'm like what the fuck so it's a confusing thing obviously we don't play that song ever we yeah. do we i like how you won't cadillac. even reference its name <laughs> right we do play uh we do play cadillac depending on what tour we're on yeah because it makes sense and we do this like gnarly long medley in the middle of it of like these old 80s songs and then we do rancid time bomb and so it's like a fucking yeah, it's yeah. a cool fun song to end in yeah um but yeah like i said 98 percent of the songs that i've written are about fucking life and normal shit and then there's like two songs that people reference so like i've been literally talking to my manager about making um my own playlist of mess songs for mm -hmm. the people that are new fans that i'm like oh, yeah. okay instead of going through the seven records let me just fucking sum up what I think are the four best songs on each record, make this playlist and for new fans to sort of dive in and sort of get the gist of what messed is before they get tainted with that concept of that. Got it. You know, those other two songs that that's that what, you know, because people can get the wrong taste in their mouth and it's like, dude, I've been a band for almost 25 years now. Like I wrote those songs when I was one, when I was 16, one, when I was 19. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the main thing is to our live show, man, like come see us live. And I think you'll be a fan for life. Like that's what we've pride ourselves on. That's how we earn fans. And it's like, I'm still up there pretending I'm 22, jumping around like a fucking asshole, putting on the best show I can mm -hmm. for, you know, the amount of time allotted. And, you know, that's what we prided ourselves on was, was putting on an entertaining live show where it's like, yeah, you're old as fuck. You may have some kids now babysitter may be waiting at home hmm. but fucking tonight have some fucking fun forget about the real world and fucking have a couple of drinks and dance around like an asshole you know like <laughs> that's what a punk rock show is for so i mean i guess you got that approach to to your live shows you know that kind of same approach you go into it with the same attitude I mean, is, is your kind of approach to to writing changed at all since since back way back when and is there a different different way you think about writing and approach it i wouldn't say a different way but i think um with each record back in the day it was more so um it was very closely related to what was happening at my life in in that moment um yeah. and now being um a little bit older when writing songs 
I sort of channel stuff that's possibly happening around me that I see. Mm-hmm. And I can use, like, if my life's, you know, fucking very simple at the time and I'm not going through anything that makes me want to fucking write down my feelings, so to speak, because I think writing songs for most songwriters is, is a little bit of a personal journal. Of course. Um, and trying to keep it too vague, some trying to keep it vague sometimes so that people don't necessarily know exactly what you're talking about because it's personal. Um, I'm very personal, though, with, with my lyrics, but as I've gotten older, I've sort of learn to do it the other way of keeping it a little more vague and using friends personal issues and stories of going through maybe a divorce or whatever may be happening in their lives or their you know a close member's family passing away or if they're dealing with depression whatever it may be i sort of channel the relationships i have and the talks that i have with my friends um and sort of write a song for them in some situations which i didn't really do so much back then okay. um you know, and then being a dad, I wrote a song about my son where I was like, started writing this piano part and I was like, okay, I need to write some lyrics. So I went and grabbed this tiny little ass. I think he was like nine months old at the time. Right. Put him in a little fucking bouncy thing and just sat there and listened to the music and over, over and over again and just stared at him and like started writing down my feelings, you know, and writing the story about, when I, you know, in that song, I, you know, talk about christmas day when i told my dad i was going to be a father and i remember that phone call like it was yesterday i was walking around hollywood just fucking freaking out yeah yeah, yeah. um you know i think it it hasn't changed so much as far as what i write about but the stories do come from a different place in some situations um and lyrically i think I, i pay more attention to just writing better lyrics, not, okay, this word rhymes with this, you know, like I, I really want to fucking tell a story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I get, so I guess like obviously Nick kind of jumped us forward a bit. Um, so on, on that subject, like what was, obviously you did all of those records with Feldman and you did this upcoming one with Cameron Webb. Like what, right. how, how different was that? Like, working with a different producer like having I know, I know you did the record without the the original guys obviously a few a few years back but like yeah then that would you expected record yeah exactly um um but yeah no but but obviously what you are used to for the most part would have been working with with feldman like what, what how how did it compare like this new experience working with cameron webb who's obviously got a, a huge back catalog you know right and stuff well, like i knew cameron i know cameron for over 10 years and we did some some messed demos, you know, right. over 10 years ago. So, I've, you know, I've, I knew him really well. Well, not really well, but we were acquaintances and stuff. Um, and so I just reached out to him and asked him if he was interested. And he was he's like, absolutely. So we got on the phone. We chatted for a little bit. Um, and Cameron is, I would say, the polar opposite of John Feldman in a way. Okay, um, interesting. One of the reasons that... Um, it made sense for for me and us to do the record with Cameron is we'd, we'd done four records with John. Yeah. Um, I've learned everything I possibly could learn from John Feldman as far as a producer goes and, and a songwriter. Okay, okay. I mean, that's what happens when you do four fucking records together. <laughs> yeah, of course. Do you, do, you ever, do you ever talk to him these days, just a stab of interest? Um, I haven't. Last time I saw him was, fuck been a while i saw him somewhere at a festival or something it was like a quick hello you know 
Yeah, didn't 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 you open up for MXPX and Goldfinger? Not yeah, that, that was long ago. that was December of so this December will be two years. Yeah, so that's it. it yeah, a year and a half ago, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so I'm there. You know, quick bullshit conversation. Okay, um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but um, you know, like I said, working with John, it was I, I learned as much as I possibly could, and when writing songs, I, I would know like okay, when I'm writing a song, you know, because. I have my own little home studio that I'll, I'll write shit in. And um, so when I'm like thinking of parts or rewriting shit or something like, no matter what I'd done to the songs, I would know, okay, if I took this to John, I know what he would do or what okay. he would suggest, you know? Okay. Um, and, and the other things I know how to produce songs now. I know how to write songs that, that I don't necessarily need a producer per se, um, but it's always good to have an outside opinion because it gets you out of your, you know, the same shit you're doing. Um, but have, having written, you know, like some of these songs are eight years old and shit that were on this record that I, that I wrote a long time ago. Some were written the month before we started tracking. Um, with Cameron, I was able to go in with Cameron, show him these songs. He loved all of them. We'd start recording and he, he trusted me as a songwriter to be like, you know, like he, he, and he knew the songs were, you know, he thought the songs were as good as they were the way they were. There'd be parts where I would go, Hey man, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And right. there'd be times where like, I was just overthinking maybe something that was so simple. And then his reply to me would be, well, what would you do here? And I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, that's why I'm asking you. And he's <laughs> like, do what you would do. Don't right. think about it. Do what you would do. Right. Right. And with Cameron, it was a little bit more about him pushing me to be better and to make choices and do, you know, like for me to be the best I could be. And, and John's sort of direction with records. And it's more because he's, especially I think these days, you know, he's more into the pop world a little bit more and just songwriting, so to speak. Okay, um, yeah. It was more of him. And granted, we were pretty green back then, but it was more, I know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for you, but I do. Yeah. Um, and so we butted heads a lot, but we ended up making great records in the end. But I think, you know, when you got two strong opinions, that shit's going to happen. So, but with Cameron, like I said, Cameron was super easy to work with. This was the first record where I was there every step of the way, every day in the yeah. studio. Yeah. Yeah. I heard um, you telling, uh, Darren, uh, ex of Goldfinger on his show this recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the guys obviously had to fly in for their parts and stuff. Um, yeah. and we had to fucking hammer those parts out. So, but it was cool though, because like I said, it was, it didn't give everybody too much time to overthink simple shit of just playing music. Like what comes to you? What's instinct? Yeah. Play what yeah. you'd play. And, um, so it was, this record was made very quickly for the guys, not so much for me because I had a lot more work to do than they did. Okay. Um, did did they bring and, much to the writing process? Like uh, like did were that did Jeremiah have any of his own songs or was this mainly? Well, Jeremiah has two songs on the record. Okay. Um, and like one of them he sent to us. And now, granted, like I said, this is very small budget we were doing this on, so we couldn't have everybody out at the same time. And you know, we were working a different. This we were doing this record very differently. Yeah. Um, and he sent us a song that was just him and a guitar playing. And Jeremiah, um, some of his songs that he writes can be very long. Okay. And 
messed that's not us so i was like okay when you're writing the songs i was sort of thinking like okay you write some different songs now and you're into different music i get that but you got to write some mess songs something that's closely related to messed when writing the songs so he sent us this song and it was a very long demo and we just me and cameron and nick just sat there and listened to it and i was like all right okay let's cut out this part let's cut out this part and it wasn't cutting out parts as much as like okay this riff has been played eight times we played four times Right. Okay. Simple shit like that, just yeah. cutting off the fat, so to speak. And then we threw Nick into the studio, had him listen to the demo, and we sort of arranged this song, per se, with what we were given by Jerry, which was, was two guitars and vocals. Mm-hmm. So then we had to fill out the parts and sort of go, okay, make it as much dynamic as possible, too. Um, and I think the song turned out fucking rad. Um, and then like, there's one part in one of his songs where um matt was playing the bass part to it and he like fucked up and stopped for a second and i was like no no no, wait i'm like that's fucking that could be rad and he's like what do you mean i was like so you stop here and i was like play off from the kick drum as opposed to hitting with the kick drum play on the snare drum and so i was like describing this part to him i was like it could be a block party style thing but you stop you come in on the two as opposed to the one yeah i'll do something over here that's constant jared can do some off hits like i don't know if you ever listen to block party so it's just a concept not that really, I heard but by yeah, but yeah, I know, I know what you're saying though, yeah. Like the Clash style shit. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so then like <clears throat> once Jeremiah came in, then I had to describe him the part, which was like two weeks later, and be like, this is what we were thinking about, blah, blah, blah. And Jeremiah had to write some guitar stuff to it, and then I had an idea. So it was, it was different, but it was cool. It was a different way of being creative, you know? And like I doubt Matt remembers any of the bass lines that he played <clears throat> because it was like, all right, you know the root notes, now write some bass lines. And so he was just fucking playing. And then I remember listening to the record back and stuff and texting Matt, like, dude, I know we rushed this record as far as what we're used to doing. Um, I go, but that non-overthinking aspect that Cameron sort of pushed on us made for some fucking really cool bass lines and some cool parts that, um, I, you know, like, they were pretty demoed out, you know, like when I gave yeah. them to Cameron, they were like, because I sat with them for months and re-recorded parts and, you know, like, I played all the guitars on the record and shit, you know, besides Jeremiah's songs. Right. Um, but I had a lot of time to sit with these songs and produce them myself before bringing them into Cameron. Um, but there was definitely some songs where I was like, okay, I want to do something different here. And so me and Cameron would think of something to do and I'd give him my ideas and then he'd bounce ideas back and stuff. And, but it was like, I don't think I could ever be in the studio for as long as I was in as many consistent days. I was in the studio for two months with Cameron. Wow. Okay. You know, driving 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back every night. Yeah. Um, and pretty much five days a week for the most part, besides we had holidays and some family shit here and there. Yeah. I don't think I could ever do that with John, just realistically. I don't think like, right. this is like, but Cameron's just a mellow dude, which you need that in the studio. Right. Um, but I mean, even like ask, talking to the guys about it, like I remember Jeremiah was asking Matt, like, hey, what's it like working with Cameron, you know, because Jeremiah hadn't met Cameron yet. And, yeah. and we'd only done records with John Feldman. And I remember Matt being like, dude, it was fucking awesome. Like, Cameron's a fucking rad dude. You're going to love him. He's a funny guy. Like, yeah, yeah. he's just a chill, fucking good dude. And so it was, the experience was, was fucking, was good and quick for the guys. And yeah. for me, it was, uh, I loved it. This this was the most fun record I've ever had oh, making. Cool. 
being there every step of the way was fucking was really cool. Yeah, and it must have been nice to have those guys back, albeit like briefly for their parts. Having after it, being yeah, it was fun, man. Like time, we, right? it, you know, we haven't done a record in fourteen years together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool to be back in the studio with them, and it was still the same shit. Cause I play drums too, so like, there's always parts when writing a song where I'm like, I write the drums to this guitar part or something, and I'm like, okay, I really like this drum fill. Either yeah. play the drum fill like this is, or do something that you would do that matches the part and nick's always been really fucking cool and chill about that where he's like no the part's rad okay i'll just play this part like he's not very ego driven when mm-hmm. it comes to that shit he's like i'll do what's best for the song um and i would sit there like <laughs> when nick was doing drums i was on a fucking drum stool in from front of him like air drumming with him you know like right. because we had to get through fucking i don't know however many songs it is we, we recorded a lot of songs um but i'm sitting in front of him you know we got two days to do this and Unfortunately, we did go out the first night. Okay. So the second day, <laughs> he was just fucking hungover. And was that night a throwback to old times? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for us to get together and not resort back to our old ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, no head but, head bottle smashing though this time. <laughs> no, no, that would have put us out. Too old for that shit. <laughs> but obviously, obviously, you got it together. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to say stuff like this. So, like, how many finished songs did you guys get done and how many are going to appear on the record? Or are you kind of... We have 12... This song, this record's going to be 12 songs, 12. if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, okay. Oh. Yeah, obviously, you, you've released Masquerade. Is, is that the ti- going to be the title of the album or is it, it going to have a different title? Okay. okay it is. Cool. Nice, nice. And what, what, what are your kind of timelines for releasing that have you got a date set yet fuck man um i did sign a distribution deal um Mm. which we're lucky because this guy that works over at the orchard this guy sam he's a big fan of mest yeah so he really wanted to help us work this record um and typically they wouldn't take on a distro deal for a single one record band that doesn't necessarily have a label but he was a big fan he's like went to the guy above him was like i want to work this record we discussed it. It worked out. I had to learn what distribution is these days because it's digital, which I'm like, I could put it up on my TuneCore account and release it, you know. And But they do a lot more work than that. So after yeah, we discussed yeah. this, um, and then they're like, okay, well, we want to properly set up this record for you. So they're like, we need this amount of time. And I was like, okay. I go, you know, we, we originally said spring, then summer, you know, and it's like, but that's what you do when you say you're going to put out a record. You keep delaying it and pissing your fans off. Of course, um, yeah. Uh, and we and the things that we want to release, you know, at least three singles before the record comes out. Um, another new thing that bands do. It used to be one single, record yeah. comes out, another single, you know, shit like that. It's different now um, because it helps us get the word out there. It helps us get people get a feel old and new fans for the new record. And I don't want to, you know, explaining this to fans as like, look, it's been 14 years. And no, you fucking want this record. But if I just shit it out and go, here it is, and then don't do anything with it, it'll probably be the last record we make. Okay. And I've been on the road now, you know, on and off since the beginning of the year. And I need to be back out there touring, letting people know the record's coming out. Orchard needs to do their job and get it on Spotify playlists and Apple playlists. And we need to, you know, market this record as much as we can so that people hear the new fucking song. So people give a fuck, want to come back, hear the old songs and hear the new record. Mm-hmm. And so it does take time. Um, 
I think we're looking at like fall. Okay. Fall at the latest, you know, like it's 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 just you know I have to give them enough time. Yeah, fair enough. Do you have any idea of when we might get another single? Um, I do. We're trying to shoot a video for Masquerade because we also haven't released a video in a long time. Yeah, that's Um, true. And then um, I think we're gonna drop something mid September. Okay. The second single. Yeah. Which will still be probably another like punk rock song and and is the ambition to once that's wrapped up to keep on with 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 those tours i guess you the ambition to kind of keep those kind of smaller smaller tours together and keep them going i'll do any tour dude i just want to fucking tour <laughs> about the, i want to tour. what about uk tour because you uh you obviously you cancelled the one this year didn't you off to to go out we yeah well i didn't necessarily cancel it we i had that Skip a few beginning dates, right. and I would have to have flown out there immediately after our lesson Jake tour. But there was a, a solid chance we were going to get the lesson Jake tour. Yeah, um, and not that the UK is not important to us, but this in the states here was a, a big tour that we had to do. Yeah, no, we get it. We um, get it. so I mean, I had talked to promoters and shit like that, and, and discussed it, and let them know, like, I'm not canceling, man. I just need to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, my buddy who was putting on the tour, he pulled the plug without me even knowing because I started getting messages from promoters like, why'd you cancel? And I was like, oh, I didn't no. fucking cancel. What are you <laughs> talking fun. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, the show got canceled. He's trying to put the Ataris on it this night. I'm like, dude, I didn't cancel it. I go, and then I would just explain to the promoters, the ones that were contacting me. Yeah. Um, most of the promoters that do these shows now are fans, which is rad. Um, That's cool. But I just had to explain to them what was going on. I'm like, I'm still down to do this. I go, but this is the situation, and I it's, wanted to let him know. Is, is it like, about it. Is it those Swiss guys? You do you work with those Swiss guys that my career? Yeah, was? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I, I know them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. I was going to say, just you know, is there any? I guess there are plans to get out here again as as soon as possible. Is there are there any kind of potential options? Yeah, for you guys. Um, I talked to a couple of friends that are in bands that do pretty decent over there and we discussed possibly going over there together and then we do pretty decent in Japan. So I was like, well, why don't we come over there with you? Mm-hmm. And then we jump from there and we go to Japan together. And, you know, cause that's sort of what this community is about. Like the better I do, the better you do, the better the scene keeps going. Yeah, of course. You can't, you, know? you can't tell us, you can't tell us who, but who that band is though. Can you? Well, because it was just a discussion between me and him, and you know, uh, to okay. go like, yeah, fair enough. it hasn't gone past that. Um, yeah, yeah. But cool. he's he's one of those dudes, and so am I. That it's like if we discuss something and we're like, okay, maybe we should do this. There's there's a solid chance it'll happen. It's not just like you know, okay. but until we even have that next conversation, and then okay, well, let's have my manager call your manager, booking agent, booking agent. Let's see if we can get them to start fucking sorting this out. Um, cool. But I mean, I definitely want to get back over there and we will, even if we just do like a fucking UK run of like seven shows, because you can tour just the fucking UK realistically. Right, right. Um, probably get over there, bring the new record over there for people and just do, you know, a quick run if we have to. But I definitely want to come over there and make up some of those shows that we had to miss out on. And it sucks, we missed out on two fucking rad festivals too. Uh, were you going to we do on, a Gros Rock or something? Yeah, we were on yeah, that, and then yeah. we were on uh, Sabam Fest, which okay. is, I believe, in Italy, but I could right. be wrong. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame. Missed out on those two. But, you know, like like I said, I wanted to be honest with that promoter, and so I just told 
told him what was potentially going to happen because I didn't mm-hmm. want to just have him do all this promoting and market the tour. And then last minute I go, sorry, dude, got to listen to Jake Tour. I can't do it. Like, I don't work like that. So I was like, I'm just going to let you know this is a possibility. And we put it off as long as we could. And then he, like I said, he pulled the plug without me even fucking knowing. And right. Fuck. Yeah. Fair enough. That's when the email started. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Tony, like we've, we've had you for like an hour now, so we don't want to keep too much more of your time, but like if it's cool, we've just got a couple more sort of random questions. That, like I'm quite curious to ask you and then we'll finish it. We normally finish these things off with like a, like a quick, like a quick fire round. Um, okay. um, so if you, if you're down to just talk for a few more minutes, uh, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Um, uh, I just wanted to just on the subject of the new record, you don't have to go into it too much. Cause I know I heard you, as I mentioned, I was listening to you on, um, Dangerous Darren's show, like you were talking about, um, releasing the record because obviously you ended up doing Kickstarter, but like things are cool with like El Jefe and Cybertracks. That was kind of like a, sounded like a mutual amicable thing from what you were saying on that show. Yeah. So when I decided I wanted to do this record on my own, um, first they were like, if you want to opt out, we can figure it out. You can pay us back, whatever, pay, buy yourself out of the contract, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then I was debating it, decided I wanted to. My manager contacted them. Then she, then uh, Hefe's wife, who runs the label, she wanted to talk. Yeah. And she didn't necessarily want us to leave because she she's uh, she's a fan. She you know she liked the songs and you know she wanted to do this. But then at the same time, when I explained to her my reasons for wanting to do it and stuff, she's also a mother and has a family and understands where I was coming from. So she didn't just strictly think business and she was like thought more like morals and as a human being and understanding where I was coming from. So <clears throat> although she didn't necessarily want to, she was like, I understand, I get it. Yeah. So, you know, it was you know, it wasn't wasn't as big of a deal as people would think when it's like, I want out of my record contract. It wasn't like a fight or anything. It was just a discussion and that was it, you know. Cool. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, Tony, just a bit. I mean, a lot of the guests we've had on now, obviously, kind of been around a long time, like yourself, and a lot of them are kind of settled down with kids now. I guess wanted to kind of know how how you you've you know find that right balance and kind of what your you know what what your ambitions are for 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 your little one, um, kind of in the future, and in terms of music potentially. You know, I'm not gonna fucking tell him or like i think as a parent you provide every choice and opportunity for your kid and you show them sports you show them music you show them art of any form and whatever they decide they're interested in as a decent human being and a parent you support their choices i mean music is a terrible hard hard business to be in I know this myself. Um, it's not the way that it was even 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to let, you know, whatever he chooses, whatever path he wants to fucking go down in life, it's just like I'm just going to be there and support him because that's what a parent's supposed to do. Sorry, changing the subject a little bit. Um, ov- obviously, like, historically, you were, like, quite close to the, the Madden brothers. So I'm just curious, like, uh, what, like, if you're still, like, friendly with them at all and if you if you've spoke if you speak to them at all these days like what the deal is with that nope we don't talk okay all right like, fair enough i mean i i mean I, i've reached out to him a couple times here and there um 
want to say the last time I reached out to him was when my son was born. Okay. Um, yeah. And sent him some photos or something and didn't even get a response back. Um, and then at some point, you know, like people, I don't know if people grow apart or what it may be. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Um, yeah. But, you know, at some point if you're reaching out to friends and, you know, and then not getting responses back, you just yeah. sort of go, why the fuck are we going to keep trying to stay in touch with somebody that doesn't give a fuck? Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then there's Billy and Paul, who I'm still friends with. And oh, really? we catch up okay. every once in a while and life and shit like that. Yeah. I was at a show maybe, it wasn't last summer, the summer before, that they were playing. And I was there and went into the dressing room and saw Billy and Paul and hung out with them till everybody was pretty much gone. And, you know, Benji and Joe were in the room and it was like they didn't want to say hi. So I'm like, it is what it is. And, you know, but I'm still good friends with Billy and Paul. And Okay. I mean, I was, you know, honestly, always more friends with them anyways. Different, different people, different yeah. concepts of friendship, you know. And then, just before we go into the quickfire round, I'm just curious, like, um, what what current bands you're into these days? It can be any genre. Um, dude, I'm I'm still just fucking the fan of punk rock. I mean, yeah. I, you know, happy to hear that. I have my I have my random shit that I listen to that I grew up on, like when my dad showed me like CCR and shit like that, you know. But um, been listening to. The Interrupters, which is rad because it's like fucking listening to like when Rancid first came out, you know, yeah. it was yeah. that exciting, yeah. like just fucking every song's a good fucking sing along. Um, yeah. Listen to them a lot. New, New Mill and Colin Records discussed is a fucking rad record. Mm-hmm. And listening to the um, Face to Face came out with that acoustic record, which I thought was fucking great. Yeah. Been listening to that a lot. Um, I'd have to look at my fucking playlist, but like I said, I've got um, an. My fourth phone that I tried to get working. I went through four phones this week. Um, so my <clears throat> my Spotify shit's not on there. So right. I, I can't even go back and look what I had been. I actually went back and listened to some old Goldfinger. Um, we were doing like a bunch of throwback listens. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just I have the same record. So I'm stoked that like the bands in my era and, you know, a couple of years prior are putting out new records because it's yeah. exciting for me to fucking listen to something new um nick unless there's anything else you want to ask should we just dive into quickfire yeah let's go for it so yeah like we 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 try to do these on most of the shows and they seem to go okay but if there's anything so we do we we for the most part it's giving you a choice of two things or or sometimes trying to cite your favorite thing of something but like you know if if you can't answer something it's all good you know plenty of people have done that before okay you're saying quickfire okay now yeah, I yeah. Get, okay Right, Chris, you, Chris, you always make that sound more complicated than it needs to yeah, be. Yeah, I do. I do. I need to get better at explaining it, don't I? All right. All right. I'll, go, I'll start with the first one anyway. So I'm going to go with um, so Destination Unknown or Messed Self-Titled. That would be like saying, which kid is your favorite kid? But you can still choose one. <laughs> you're, you're not a parent then you don't understand <laughs> yeah I don't you think can't, you can't choose a kid man you yeah can't. we're not getting an answer on that one fair <laughs> enough uh, this, 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 in the same way we'll not get you to reference track free from wasting time by exactly. name yeah. um, okay a more simple one Chicago or LA um, fuck me dude um, 
Chicago because I grew up there, LA for the weather. Okay, we'll accept that. Go on, Nick. You can, you're going to get both. <laughs> <laughs> both or neither at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, we've got a favorite band to tour with. The favorite band that I have toured with? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fuck. Honestly, I have to say, fuck. Dude, this is way too hard. You, <laughs> man. Okay, there's see, there's there are different reasons for each band, man. There's different reasons and 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 different eras of time in my life. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll tell you this: craziest band we ever toured with, Unwritten Law. We I've never done more drugs and partied harder in my life. <laughs> I mean, we that we've we, surprised us. We've hung, we've hung out with Scott one time, and that doesn't shock us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got some fucking nutty stories from that. <laughs> I tour. bet you have. Um, yeah. But you know, we just did. Can I combine it? I mean, the yeah, Super yeah, yeah, fuck it. That we just combine did. It. We just did, the, it was a co-headlining tour, so I can combine it. Bowling for Soup and Robic Fist, that tour that we just did over the mm-hmm. summer, was fucking great. Every yeah. band member, every crew member got along. On our days off, we would go to the same fucking hotel, sit in the pool, get drunk. We fucking, it was just the most friendliest, fucking non-egotistical, awesome tour that I've done in fucking years. Yeah. And That's so awesome. I'm going to say Bowling for Soup and Robic Fish. Nice. As one. Nice. Um, obviously, then I have to answer this you don't want to but the polar opposite so least favorite band you've toured with um there is probably catch 22 oh really well that was our first headlining tour yeah us homegrown and madcap hung out it was the same thing like i just described with the bowling for super big fish tour yeah we hung out every night together every day on our days off had the most fun those guys it was almost as if they weren't part of the tour Really? And I don't know what it was, if they just didn't like us or what. So that would be, the, I guess, the least because they didn't care to be part of the tour in a way. That was it. Okay. All right, I mean, enough. nothing personal. They just, I don't know. In it. it was like they weren't, they were just, they were just there. What do people usually okay. say when that comes to that? Because that's talking shit. <laughs> I don't. I, don't question. I, I think I just threw that one in for this one, so apologies for that. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't enough. think I've put anyone on the spot in that same way, but uh, good answer yeah. anyway. Okay, next one is Warp Tour or Headline Tour? Uh, Warp Tour. UK or Australia? Um, Australia for sure. <laughs> Fair enough. I love Australia. That's why. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm a little offended, but I'll forgive you. I know. Dude, I said every that time I've been in the fucking uk it's cold and fucking i've had (laughs) dude the only time that the uk was decent in touring for me yeah i'm a weather person was the last tour that we did last summer yeah last august yeah almost a year to the day yeah 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 it would have been hot Um, every other tour i've ever done was during the winter time and i was (laughs) just fucking cold the entire time and that's all i can think about when i think about uk it's just rain and cold it's like fucking seattle man (laughs) <laughs> yeah fair enough fair we do enough. we do get a lot of people from uk moving to australia and emigrating there i think yeah. it's that that warmer you know the probably the closest thing you're going to get to the uk with the with the with the warm climate so i can understand that right uh, um next one is mxpx or good charlotte mxpx fair fair we, we love my carrera um Music, I mean, music-wise, I've loved MXPX consistently writes great records, and yeah. and I'm still friends, you know. They're fucking sweet, good dudes. I'm still friends with them to this day, you know, like we... Awesome. So. 
You, you sang for them one time Easy. on tour as well, if I remember. I did. Really. My class voice, and I was the singer of MXPX for a That's week. Fucking living nice. the dream, that is. Um, um, Feldman or Cameron Webb? Cameron Webb. <laughs> I thought you might say thank, that. I, I thank John for all he did. Yeah. But I just made our best record and had the most fun on this record of all the records I've done. So that's an easy answer. Yeah, fair, fair. Okay, we're getting towards the end, but we'll just fly through the last couple. Yeah, we've got favorite, favorite movie. Um, probably, ah, uh, fuck, man. Stand by me. Okay. okay. Yeah. Fair. Favorite TV show? Um, The Office. UK or US? Absolutely the US. Come on. <laughs> there wasn't. There wasn't even a UK one. It was like one season or six episodes or some shit. <laughs> uh, we got two left. Uh, favorite food? Um, seafood. I'll ah. fucking. I'll get like I'll sit there for hours, and I'm not exaggerating. At like a seafood buffet. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting uh, and finally <laughs> what uh, favorite messed song uh, again you can't name a favorite kid <laughs> that's lots of kids yeah that is <laughs> um, I mean you know I, it's too hard for me because as you guys know if you are your messed fans there is a wide spectrum of, of songs that go from like mother's prayer to reasons, mm-hmm. to drawing board, to fucking chance of a lifetime, to burning bridges, all different fucking style of songs. So it's like sonically listening to it one way or performing it. It's, you know, it's a hard, I can't, dude. I mean, if it makes you happy, I'll say drawing board. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll leave things there, man. Um, yeah, just again, want to thank you so much for giving your time. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure for both of us to to talk to you at length like this, you know, and um, we look forward to on that UK tour. Yeah. And uh, we'll keep a close eye on um, the record coming out and stuff. Absolutely. And uh, make sure that you tell the people listening to this, or I could just fucking tell them right now, Go on. check out Masquerade. <laughs> Cause it's on, it's on all the platforms of people that listen to music and um, check out, what at Anthony Lovato is my Instagram. That's where I post all the, mostly the mess shit. Cause it's easier to do. All right, guys, you have a good one, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. All right, cool. Hopefully see you over this way soon. All right, cheers, Tony. All right, guys. Cheers. Okay, and that was our chat with Tony Lovato. Um, So, yeah, just want to thank him again for giving us his time and very much looking forward to hearing that new album. Yeah, I hope he managed to actually rebook that tour over here as well. Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Couldn't get over here for, so hopefully we'll see see them over here with them. Yeah, always good to see them. The next year or so. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. with, with that said, um, yeah, we'll um, hopefully we'll have, have a couple of new episodes out soon. Uh, but in the meantime, obviously, um, seek us out on uh, Instagram, which is Wasting Time Podcast, Twitter, which is Wasting Time P, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Till next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.